If you've been with us, we've been walking through First and Second Thessalonians. Today we end Second Thessalonians. Next week, um, Lord willing, we are starting a series between now and the end of the year on the disciples. And we're going to be looking at each disciple, what about them that uh, is significant, why Jesus chose them, how Jesus used them, and we'll be walking through those. This morning we come to the end of the book of 2 Thessalonians, and it's, um, i got to give you a little background and tell you a little story first, and then we will try to understand what Paul's about ready to say, and then we'll apply it to us. So that's where we're headed. So first of all, here was the problem. When Paul went through Thessalonica the first time preaching, he told them and explained to them that the Lord was coming back. Now, they got excited, and some of them got really really excited. And some of them became so excited that they wanted to tell everybody that Jesus is coming back. And they started looking at it and said, you know what? Since Jesus is coming back, and I want to tell everybody, it's kind of tough to work my job and then go tell everybody that Jesus is coming back. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop and quit my job And I'm going to spend my time, energy, and effort telling everybody that Jesus is coming back. And I'm going to kind of wait for Jesus to come back. Now, that became a problem. Because Paul believed that Jesus was coming back. But Paul didn't quit his job. So let's just put yourself in that culture, in that time. And here's what's happened. Nobody in here is named Joe, are they? Okay, good. We got, I don't think we have Joe. Okay, good. I'm going to use Joe as an example. All right. <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble here. So let's say Joe believes that Jesus is coming back, and Joe quits his job. Now, <clears throat> you are going up, getting up every day, and you are going to work. What is Joe doing? Joe is not going to work. Now, this is a culture with no food stamps and government assistance and blah, 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 blah. So... Here's a question. How is Joe going to feed himself at the end of the day and his family? Joe's going to have to depend on other people, isn't he? So here's what happens. You get up, and you go and do your job, and you come home. And in that culture, men kind of did the work part. Women stayed at home. And, and don't, don't, don't misunderstand. That was a tremendous amount of work because in that culture, if you wanted bread, you didn't go to the store to buy it. You started with wheat, and you made it all day in order to have it. So it was a big job for a woman to even just simply make a meal, much like what Aaron and Lori deal, or what Lori and the girls deal with in P&G. <clears throat> um, there's no dominoes. You know, if you want pizza, you start it from scratch. So, so what happens is you, you go to work, and your wife spends all day making the meal, and about 5 o'clock you come home from work, and guess who's standing there? Joe, with his family. And why is Joe there? Because Joe wants to talk to you about the fact that Jesus is coming back. So there's Joe wanting to tell you about the fact that Jesus is coming back. And your your wife's just made supper. And you're a Christian family. So what do you do? You say, hey, look, we're going to eat. Why don't you come back about 730? We'll talk. No, what'd you do? You'd say, Joe, hey, look, you know what? Why, why don't you why didn't your family join us for supper? And they join you for supper. 
Then the next day would come. I went to Lael's last night. So now whose house can I show up to the next night to feed my family? I know, I'll go to Doug's. Yeah, go, we'll just go right down the line. And after a couple of weeks of that, I'm back at Lael's. And here's the thing. In the process, I get people to believe me. I go, yeah, Jesus has come back. So they quit their job. And now the Christian community who has been taught to love and take care of one another is starting to have to take care of people who could work but aren't working. And Paul hears about this, and Paul now has to write back, and second Thessalonians, and say, time out. Here's what you guys need to do. Here's how you handle it. And he ends the, because what I'm going to say is going to sound kind of harsh and go against some of the things that you struggle with, but this will help you put it in context because this was a real first century kind of problem. Okay? Do we believe the Lord's coming back? Yes. Did Paul believe the Lord's coming back? Yes. Was that a good thing to teach? Yes. Was it worth quitting your job over? No. And that's what Paul's going to address. So, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, here's the end of the chapter, here's what he said. Notice what he says. We'll look at the first section. Here's what he goes. But we command you. Literally, this is the idea of an order, like a military order. This is Paul stepping in now as an apostle and saying, pay attention. This is an order. Brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly. Literally, the word means undisciplined. And not according to tradition, which he received from us. Paul said, look, I never told you to quit your jobs. So if you've got somebody who's doing that, put some distance between you and them. And he goes on to say this. Not according to tradition to which you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. Paul said, we didn't act that way. We were not disorderly among you. We didn't act undisciplined when we were there with you. In fact, he said, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge. He said, you didn't find us freeloading off of you, and, we, and I'm an apostle. I had a right to if I wanted to, but I didn't do that. He goes on to say this, but we worked with labor and toil night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. Paul said, I came there and I could have said, you guys need to take care of me because I'm ministering to you and blah, 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 blah. Paul said, you know what? No, what I did was I preached and taught you during the day. At night I went back, we worked on tents. We spent all night working on tents. The next day I'd get up and I would minister to you. I paid for my own food. I took care of my own lodging. We did it all because we didn't want you to be a burden. We didn't want to be a burden to you. That's why we did it. So we didn't have to, but that's why we did it. And he said, when I was there, I believe the Lord's coming back too. You, you heard it from me, but I wanted to set an example, and our example was we were going to work and take care of ourselves while we were among you. And then he goes on to say this. <clears throat> not because we do not have the authority, in other words, I could have done it, but we make ourselves an example of how you should follow it. He said, you want a, reason, you want a good reason why you don't quit your job and just go around teaching everybody that the Lord's coming back? Because that's not what we did. He said, we worked among you, we, were, we, we, we didn't want to be a burden to you. He said, we didn't do this. And yet you got leaders and you got people who are telling you that this is the right thing to do. Paul said, you didn't hear that or see that from us. And then he goes on. 
he takes it a step further. And notice what he says uh, in the next verse, verse 10. <clears throat> he says, for even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Now, now we're not talking about people who can't work. That's the difference. We're talking about people who won't work or think they don't have to work. Paul said, you want a really simple principle? You don't work, you don't eat. He said, stop feeding Joe. Then all of a sudden, Joe has to go, get, go figure out, hey, if I want to eat and take care of my family, I have to get a job. And then notice what he goes on to say. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly way, an undisciplined way. They're doing this. They're not working at all. They're busybodies. Literally a meddler. Literally somebody who runs around in circles and accomplishes nothing. If you haven't figured this out yet, you will. I've been in ministry long enough to run into these people. And here's the thing. These people will consume your time like nobody's business. Because here's the thing. What's Joe done all day? Nothing. Joe hasn't talked to anybody. Joe hasn't seen anybody. So when Joe shows up at your house after you worked all day and you're tired, Joe's just getting started. And he will consume hours of your time sticking his nose in stuff where it doesn't belong. Why? Because he's got nothing else to do. And, he, and Paul said, and what's happened is, because they have all this time on their hands, they are now consuming your time. And notice what Paul said. Now those who are such, we command and exhort you through our Lord Jesus Christ, that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. You know what he said? Paul said, you know how to get them to shut up? Make them go to work. they got so much time on their hands, they're now taking away your time. Have them go get to work, and they will start to be quiet because they'll be too tired to consume all your time. That's what he says. Some of you are going, that don't sound very loving. <laughs> Didn't Jesus say when you, you, know, you help the people? who? No, no, no. There, there's an important principle getting here about individual responsibility. We'll get to it in a second. But Paul said, now we exhort, though, that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. In other words, this is a nice way of telling them. In order to get them shut up, have them go to work. And then he goes on. Notice what he says next. Verse 13. But as for you, brother, he says, now, let me talk to you guys. Don't grow weary in doing good. Because you see, here's the thing. When, when, when they have to confront Joe, it gets exhausting. It just gets exhausting. Because Joe just keeps wanting to talk and be the busybody and blah, 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 blah. And Paul said, just hang in there. You'll get through it. He said, don't, 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 don't stop doing what you're supposed to do. And notice what he then goes on to say. And if anyone doesn't obey our word in this epistle, he says, okay. He said, you're going to have people who, because I've said this, are going to say, oh, no, 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 we don't have to do that. Paul said, here's what you do with them. He said, first of all, note that person. That means you've got to call them out. That means you go up and say, look, what you're doing is wrong. You need to go back and go, you need to go to work. Now, in order to do that, that means they've got to tell everybody else what's going on too. So if I see Joe spending time over here taking up so-and-so's time, I go to so-and-so and say, hey, look, let's really help Joe. We're, he's a brother in Christ. Let's help him out. Let's help him get a job. Let's help him go to work. 
because he needs to get to work. You go, that, that's tough. Yeah, that's tough, but that's how you help Joe. It doesn't, you don't help Joe by letting Joe continue to do what Joe's doing. And that's what Paul says. And he goes on. <coughs> he said, note that person and don't keep company with him. That he may be ashamed. Literally, the idea is be aloof with them. Put a little bit of distance. This is not, for those of you who've been around the Bible for a while, this is not Matthew 18 where you excommunicate them out of a church or 1 Corinthians. That's not those kind of passages. This is not church discipline. This is something different. Paul said, you just don't give Joe the time that Joe wants. You just put a little distance between them. Like, Joe's like, hey, I'd like to come over and talk to you about the work coming back. And you go, hey, look, Joe, you know what? I've been at work all day long. Tell you what, let's do this. When I get some free time, I'll call you. Oh, yeah, but this is really important. Yeah, I know, Joe, but really busy right now. Because... Joe doesn't get it yet. And Paul says, you put a little distance between it. And then notice that. Don't count him as an enemy. He said, you don't just push him off into the, in, uh, the excommunicate him like you do in Matthew 18 or 1 Corinthians. He said, we're not going to do that. He said, he's still a brother. But he said, don't let his undisciplined life ruin your life. If he wants to do that, fine. Just don't let him do it to you. And then Paul ends it this way by saying this, uh, verse uh, 16. He goes on to say this way. Now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with my own hand, which is a sign of every epistle, so I write, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. He ends it by saying this. Look, you as a, as a group of people up in Thessalonica, you don't treat him as an enemy. You still treat him as a brother, but you put some distance between him because he's affecting the church up there. And he said, and you know what? You guys need to live in grace and peace as you go forward because that's what God wants for you. But he said, this is what you need to do. Okay? And so Paul kind of lays it out for them that way. Um, now, a couple of takeaways. Um, and here we go. Here's the first one. Work is ordained by God. You understand that? You understand that in your spiritual DNA, when God created you in his image, he creates us in his image. So go back to Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. When God creates man in his image, what has God already done? He's worked six days and rested one. To be in the image of God inherently means there is a work ethic instilled within you to work. Now, you need to understand this. Some of you are going to be bummed out about this, but when you get to heaven, I believe you're going to work. And some of you are going, oh, no, 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 no. You know, no, 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 I believe you're going to work. You know why I believe that? Because when God created a perfect world and everything was absolutely perfect and there was no sin, everything was perfect at that moment in time, Work was part of it. One of the first things Adam's commanded to do is to take care of the garden. Now, sin came into the picture, and it affected work. It made work difficult and hard. It made childbirth painful. Up until then, apparently, childbirth's like, hey, what'd you do? Hey, we had a kid. Hey, it's wonderful. 
after sin, you ladies, those of you who have kids, you want to get mad at somebody, get mad at Satan, because that was part of the fall, okay? Up until then, it wasn't the way God designed it. Now, I don't know, understand how that could, be, that could be pleasant or enjoyable, but apparently in God's original creation, it was. Work was wonderful. Adam was like, hey, what are you doing? I'm going to go to work today. Hey, what'd you do? I worked all day. It was awesome. Now, all of a sudden, because of sin, work's hard and difficult, and it's a struggle. I think one of the things that we fail as Christians to do is come up with a good theology of work. And I would challenge you to really understand what the Bible says about work. You see, one of the purposes of work, work does a tremendous, first of all, it's, it's part of the image of God that I've been created in. Secondly, believe it or not, it's an incredible blessing to be able to work. Because there are people who can't. For health reasons, whatever, for struggle, whatever else, they would love to be able to have a job to go to, but they can't. If you have a job this morning, you don't understand what an incredible gift that is. Because you actually live in a country where when you go on vacation, they pay you to not work. You know how rare that is in the world? Do you know how rare it is that somebody goes? Because in most cultures, if you don't work that day, you don't eat. And, and with the papatar and PNG, if they get out in the morning and go, you know what, I'm just not going to do anything today, nobody eats in the family. Every day is dependent upon somebody going out and taking care of getting food. We don't have to do it. We live in a culture where, you know what? And here's the crazy thing. We work six days or five days or, in some cases, four days, and they pay us for seven. We take enough money in four or five days to feed our family for seven. And some of you, you have worked so hard, and you have tucked money away, you're actually at a point in your life where you don't have to work. You have enough set aside that you're able to live off of all the work that you've done in your lifetime. How rare that is in the world. It's an incredible gift that you and I have. And who much is given, much is required. And in this culture of work, and, and again, some of you look at it and, and, and you don't see your job as a ministry. And, and let me explain to you what God has done in whatever place you work right now. Here's what God's done for you. For me, here's what God did. God said, you know what? Here's where I'm going to put you. I'm going to put you in this little town. Chicago boy, remember that. I'm going to put you in this little place in the middle of nowhere. And that's going to be your ministry. That's going to be your world. And you're going to minister to this group of people that in your background you have nothing in common with. You want to know what our discussion at lunch was yesterday? What were you guys trying to explain to me? What kind of row planter thingy packer thing were you talking about? Huh? A lister. They were trying to explain to me what a lister is. Some of you are going, I don't know what a lister is. Well, talk to them. I don't either. Because God put me in a foreign country where people don't speak Chicago. <clears throat> they speak country. And I'm, I've, I'm a, trying to adapt. But God said, you know what? Here's the deal. I'm going to put you there. And, and if you'll just trust me, you'll be incredibly happy, and I'll do incredible things, and, and it'll be an incredible blessing to you. You just got to trust me here. I know you want to be in Chicago, but just trust me here. And then, then I'm like, now I don't want to go back to Chicago. 
all those houses close together and all the pavement and and I missed the food, I missed the traffic, but sort of that. Um, but God said, Here, here's your world. You know what God's done to you? He's done the same thing for you. He said, you know what, here's the deal. I'm going to put you as a cashier, and you're going to be standing at a thing, and your feet are going to hurt, and you're going to deal with obnoxious people, and you're going to be with great people all day long. But you know what? Everybody that walks down your, everybody that you check out is an opportunity for you to minister to every day. I'm going to put you in a little cubicle, and there's going to be other people with other cubicles around you, and you're going to interact with people all day long, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to show them what it would look like if Jesus Christ were in the cubicle next to them. That's what I'm going to do. That's your ministry. That's your world. And I'm going to give you, at the end of the week or two weeks or however you get paid, I'm going to give you money for doing your job. Now, you need to understand that money's not yours. That money belongs to me, so I want, you to, I want you to use it wisely. And I want you to use it in places that you can have a, make a difference. So you see, I look at it when I have the opportunity to work, and I have the opportunity to minister, and I have the opportunity to get a paycheck, but then I just need to be a good steward of all that. And that's what Paul says. That's what the whole Old and New Testament's about. It's the idea of you and I have this incredible privilege to be able to do this thing called work, even though it might be hard. Second idea is this. An undisciplined life becomes dangerous. Those of us who've been working out here will tell you that there are some parts of this that we enjoyed, and there are some parts of this that were miserable. When we were working in the dirt and the mud, that was miserable. We spent a lot of time this, this past week or last week, the week before, whatever it was, we had two guys do nothing but go around and measure and stuff for almost half a day to get this squared and that in line with this and that in line with that and to, to make sure the structure, the, the internal structure was right. Because see, yesterday when we started putting up sheets, because that was right, everything went pretty smoothly. So our measurements were off like, we were dealing with like, oh, it's an eighteenth of an inch or a sixteenth of an inch or an eighth of an inch or, or a quarter of an inch. And, you, you know, we weren't dealing with, well, I don't know. You know, it's like six inches off. I don't know what we're going to do. Let's just put the sheet up anyway. No, we're, why? Because people spent time on the structure, the internal structure of it. You came in this morning and you saw all the steel up and you saw the roof on and you go, man, last week, I mean, they didn't even have like half of a wall up, and now all of this, wow. And you, like us, are impressed with the amount of work that got done. But here's what you don't understand. The reason all of that went well is because there was a lot of work that went into making sure the foundation was square and making sure the bolts were in the right place and making sure the structure was square and making sure that there was a lot of work that went into the internal part of it that you didn't see happen the last three or four months. Your life is no different. If you're going to handle the weather and the crises and the stuff that comes with, with, with life, you've got to make sure that internal structure, that sole part of you is solid, is squared up, is disciplined, has set up boundaries. And all Paul does here in this passage is he tells these people, look, don't let Joe take advantage of you. Set up some boundaries. Deal with him. Put some distance between you and him. Try to help him because he doesn't have boundaries right now. 
Because you see what happens is when we start to remove boundaries and we start to remove structure, can you imagine us looking at the plans? I mean, some of us wanted to do this, but um, can you imagine us looking at the plans going, you know what, I know it says that we need this, but we really don't need that. You know, I mean, if I had it my way, the cross braces are two cross braces on the sidewall. <clears throat> it means that when we do the auditorium, we're going to have to bump the sidewalls out about six inches. I, I think we should take them down. Now, any of you who know anything about structure know that if they listened to me, we would be in big trouble when the storms come. Because those little X pieces that go across may not look like anything to you and me. They are extremely important in the integrity of the building. So you know what, we'll just bump it out a little bit and go right by it, and it won't be that big a deal. And none of you would even know about it until I said something today. Why? Because the internal thing is really important. And listen, the reason you spend time with God each week, the reason you read your Bible, the reason you pray, the reason that we worship, the reason that we, we, you listen to Christian radio, the reason that you read Christian stuff, the reason that you do that is whether you realize it or not, you're building that internal structure so that when the storms come, and people go, you know, I just don't know how they're doing that. I don't know how they're getting through that. I don't know how they're handling that. See, you're handling it because the internal structure is solid. And you might get some dings on it. And you know, we might get some dings if there's a big hailstorm. But you're not going to come up here and go, oh, wow, I see it hailed yesterday. The building's laying all flat. <clears throat> Why? Because we spent time on the structure. And that's, that, that's the reason we do that. In an undisciplined life... You start being a busybody. You start sticking your nose in places that it doesn't belong. You start wasting other people's time. You don't want to go down that road. You start running around in circles accomplishing nothing. And Paul says, look, you don't want to go there. This passage also teaches something about individual responsibility. It's interesting. We all know the verse about bear one another's burdens. But do you realize the same book says bear your own burdens? You realize the same passage where Paul talks about just a little bit, he's bear your own burdens and then bear one another's burden. The, bur the idea of burdens, two different words. Paul teaches, just as he's teaching here, look, there's some things you need to handle on your own. The everyday, normal processes of life, handle on your own. The extraordinary things, the things that are out of the norm, you need to other people to come alongside and help you with. That's basically what he's teaching here. He's looking at him going, look, stop feeding Joe. Joe needs to feed himself. Um, I read this this morning. I thought this was fascinating. Listen to this. I love, I love this quote. When one person receives something without working for it, another person has to work for it without receiving anything. That's what he's saying. He's saying, why are you feeding Joe? Because Joe is capable of feeding himself, but Joe won't go out and get a job to feed himself, so why are you doing it? Uh, earlier this year, I stopped by, and there was a guy standing on the side of the road, typical thing, you know, I'm homeless, help me, blah, 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 blah. We were about a mile or so from the mission, and uh, so I rolled down my window. I was at the stoplight, rolled down my window, and I said, hey. I said, uh, you know what? I said, uh, I'll be more than happy to give you a ride over the mission right now. So it's cold outside and miserable and stuff like that. I said, you know, I said, I know they'll make sure you got food and shelter and everything else. He goes, I can't do that. I said, why? He said, they won't let me go there. I said, really? I said, why won't they let you go there? He said, well, he said, they got all these rules and I keep getting kicked out for fighting. <laughs> Have a good day. 
That's his problem. And you go, oh, that's unchristian. No, no, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about, look, you take care of yourself. And some of you, you know, you, you get that. Most of you go the opposite direction. You take care of yourself. And when you should be asking other people for help, you don't. And then it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And then you're going, now I don't know what to do. And I'm guilty. I get it. I do it too. So I don't need to be preaching about the individual responsibility part. But we've got to be careful about the aspect of, not, of this idea of really, really struggling with this idea of, you know what, sometimes, even though it's hard, we need to, in order to really, really help somebody, we have to not help them. Because otherwise, we just enable them to keep doing what they're doing, and it's not healthy. And that's what Paul's dealing with here. The last thing is this, and I think this is probably the lesson that I think most of us can apply this week. And here, here it comes. Don't get tired of doing what's right. Now, in context, Paul's talking about dealing with this situation. But here's the thing. Here's what I've observed as a pastor for 30-some-odd years. I watch people get tired of doing right. Let me talk to teenagers for a minute. I watch teenagers get tired of doing what's right. Well, teenagers say, you know what, here's my goal. Here's, here's, my, here's my parameters. I'm, gonna, I'm not, I'm not going to go to any party where there's alcohol. That's a great standard. But what happens is they come into school and everybody talks about the party the night before and there was alcohol and da-da-da-da-da and everybody had a good time. We didn't get caught and, we got it, and you should have been there. And they hear that over and over and over and over and over and over again. And they're going, man, what's, what, 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 what have I gained by not going? So they say, you know what? I'm going to change my standard. I'm going to go, but I just won't drink. Because you know why they make that decision? Because they got tired of doing what was right. Don't get tired of doing what's right. Don't grow weary and quit doing what's right. You know, with college kids, and I see this with college kids, they set up their standard and say, I'm not, you know, I know what I'm going to, this is the kind of person I'm going to date, and da-da-da-da-da, and they go out looking for that person, and they find out that person That person is like a unicorn. <laughs> they don't exist. And so they get, finally they get frustrated and they say, you know what, maybe my standards are too high, so I'm going to drop them a little bit. You know what they've done? They've gotten tired in doing the right thing. They've gotten weary in doing the right thing. And they said, you know what, because of that, yeah, she's fine. Uh-oh, now we're in trouble, aren't we? There we go. This is what a real church does, all right? <laughs> we shift them to somebody else, uh, you know? It's awesome. That's what I love it. But, I mean, seriously, I watch college kids, and they lower their standard. And I always tell kids this. Look, don't lower your standards. Don't get weary in well-doing. I tell, I tell kids specifically, here's my words, don't settle. If your standards are here, don't settle. Stick with it. Some of you face this in the workplace. And you're watching yourself and you've got this standard and you've got this way that you're doing business or you've got this way that you're acting at work and everybody else is getting away with it and getting away with it and getting away with it and you keep thinking, I don't know why I'm doing this. You know, everybody else is getting away with it. Everybody else is, uh, maybe I'll just take this, this little shortcut. 
And the reason you do that is because you're getting tired of doing the right thing. Those of you who have little kids, who bring little kids to church, you're going to face this. Because this is what's going to happen. You know as well as I do, getting a child ready for church is like herding a hundred squirrels into a little box in the morning. And you know all that you go through to get that kid here. And here's the kicker, because Satan's really good at this. As you drive out your driveway with that kid screaming in the back seat, who you've drugged to church, <coughs> you pass your neighbors. Who? What are they doing? They're out on a horseback ride on Sunday morning. <laughs> and you're going, why are we doing this again? And you know this is, you know you should do this, and you know this is a good thing to do, and you know all the blessings that you get from it, and all the encouragement, and all you know all of that, but you're looking at it going. <sighs> just too much. Here's what's going to happen if you're not careful. You're going to get tired of doing the right thing. We all face this. Here's my encouragement. Don't get weary in well-doing. I faced it this week with this building. I'm old. And it's tiring. And it's everything I could do some mornings to drag myself up here and drink enough coffee to function at 9 o'clock in the morning. And you go, 9 o'clock, that's not early. I go to bed at 1 or 2. Because I work at night. I don't do stuff in the mornings. I think 6 o'clock should only come one time during the day. That's my world, okay? That's my world, okay? And it's easy, and believe me, believe me, it is so tired. But you know what? Here's what happened this week. Here's what happened this week is we've been working all week, and I'm tired, and we all get cranky up here, and we, we go through all the stuff that you go through when you're working the long, hard hours and stuff like that. And I come home the other night, and I see my wife, and, and we're talking, which happened rarely this week because of the craziness. But she goes, hey, uh, i got to tell you what happened. UPS guy stopped by. He was noticing a building going up. And she said, uh, and he told me, he said, you know what? He said, I'm amazed at how fast that thing's happening. He said, back the other day, I almost just parked my truck and watched them work. <laughs> he said, it is amazing. And Gene said, yeah, you know, it's amazing because she said, and it's just volunteers. It's a bunch of people who are just, he goes, what? He said, that's not a professional crew up there? Now, my wife should have said, oh, yeah, they are. <laughs> But instead, she goes, no, no, no. It's just a bunch of volunteers of people who are committing their time to go up there and work. And he goes, now I am really amazed. And I stopped thinking about it, and I thought, you know what? God's doing something here. And sometimes we forget that. God is doing something in that struggle that you're having right now about wanting to quit in what in doing what's right. Be careful here that instead of focusing on the blessing that you're being faithful and doing what God's called you to, that you focus on the burden and you change and the next thing you know is you lose the blessing because you've spent more time focusing on the burden of what you're going through than the blessing of staying in there and being faithful. And I want to encourage you because there's a lot of folks in here who are making some really tough decisions and making some really tough calls 
and you're doing right, and God wants you to do what you're doing, and God wants to encourage you to what you're doing, but Satan does not. And if you're not careful, you will take what you are doing right, and you will get tired of doing right, and you will miss it because you've grown weary in doing right. And that's what Paul says to these people. Don't let that happen to you. Be people of grace and peace. And understand that's what God's doing in your life. And that, that work that you go to tomorrow or today or whenever you have to go to work next, your opportunity is to reflect Jesus Christ in all you do. Those people you work with may never come to a church. But they can see Jesus Christ every single day as long as we don't get tired and grow weary in doing what's right. So I end the service this morning, or I end my section with this. We must appreciate the opportunity that we have to work. It's a gift from God, and it's the ministry that we're called to. We have to do the hard work of discipline in our lives to be people of grace and and peace. We must keep doing the right thing so that the world can see Christ in us. That's what we're called to do this week. Let's pray. Lord, help us. God, it is easy to get sidetracked. Lord, it's easy to get tired. Lord, it seems like in our world, in our culture, we do more and more and more and go faster and faster and faster. And before we know it, Lord, the things that are really, really important we have ignored So, Lord, help us not to do that this week. Help us to focus on you. Help us to be the people you've called us to be. And, Lord, for those who are doing what's right, encourage their hearts. And, uh, Lord, don't let any of us get tired, get weary of doing the right thing. And when it's all said and done and one day we gather around your throne, we'll rejoice in the fact that you have used us to show Christ to a world that does not know you. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Uh, Let's stand together. We're going to sing uh, Cleanse Me. Let's sing the first verse of Cleanse Me. Mm -hmm.